Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We are one week away from the 2020 NFL Draft. And in the world, with the way it is right now, I think a lot of us could really use a sporting event of any kind. And this isn't a true sporting event, but it is an NFL-related big day. Monumental, right? We've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, draft rounds after draft rounds, and finally, it'll feel like sports are back, at least for the weekend. It is going to be a little bit different. They're going to change some stuff up this this year to accommodate for the quarantine and the pandemic and everything. But, you know, this is my first episode since recording the free agency primer like a month ago, and that was pre-USA pandemic. So I just want to say to everybody, I hope everyone's doing all right. Stay safe. You know, follow the precautions and the rules that everyone's got out there. Let's get this thing over with so we can keep moving on with our lives as usual. Don't forget to wash your hands and, yeah, wishing you well. So this episode today will be the draft preview Long anticipated. Been waiting for this draft, you know, more than ever because of this whole thing going on. The good news of it all is I've had more time than ever to prepare. I've got to look into like a bunch of different classes, really deep, watch guys over and over, fall in love with players, decide certain players, you know, I'm not into them at all. And I think I'm going in probably with more ammo than any draft before. I'm not a huge college football fan. I'm not a huge, you know, draft buff. I'm not a guy that analyzes film after film and tries to find the best guys. It's not what I do. I do that with the Jets. I watch the Jets like crazy, and that's more my cup of tea. NFL teams as well. College football doesn't really do it for me, but when it gets to this time of year, I usually try to find myself, you know, with 10, 15, 20 targets that I really want the Jets to get. This year, I've got myself at like 50 and, uh, you know, out of 500 players. That's not bad. I think that it's very possible Joe Douglas will maybe align with some of these ones that I got. But that's yet to be determined because he's never drafted for the New York Jets. Remember last year, Mike McCagden did the draft and the free agency for the Jets and then was ousted right after that by Adam Gase. Joe Douglas comes in, has to kind of take over a team that's already headed in a specific direction. He got to make a few little touches that we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, but it's going to be really interesting to see what his game plan is. We got to see free agency, and I know I primed it, um, all of free agency, and he's done a ton of moves you know, some that we were looking forward to, some other stuff where we're like, all right, we didn't really move too much here. Overall, it's been a very balanced, safe, responsible approach to free agency, I think. But I don't really want to do a, a free agency primer. One, because free agency is ongoing. we got plenty of time to do that. But two, um, I want to be able to do like kind of a, a draft recap with the free agency recap and kind of just show where the roster is and what holes we've filled and what we still have. Because right now, it's hard to say if we're still going to make moves in free agency, if there's still some veterans we're going to bring in. It's going to be very dependent on what happens in this draft. So let's get through with this draft first and get everybody kind of up to speed with where the Jets are. I want to talk about some some of the draft notes, some info on the draft itself. I want to talk about what picks the Jets have, do a little bit of history, some you know fun facts from the past, talk about the Jets' positional needs, my favorite players at those positions, and then kind of like a mock draft of where I would see some players going in this thing just to get you up to speed with, you know, what I'm thinking on this thing, at least my idea. And you can see online, every single person has their own opinions on what should happen. Everybody's got a podcast or something out. So I'm just another guy just saying, hey, I like these guys. I like that. Nobody knows who's going to hit. Nobody knows what the final answer is going to be. And at the end of the day, me spouting off a bunch of names to you 
doesn't really help because the only thing that really matters is the guys that we do end up drafting, and that's all up to Joe Douglas. But I'd still like to kind of get my thoughts out there because I've been working on this stuff for a while, and maybe you're interested in it. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, I've always got the fun segments as well. i got a father time coming in. I'm going to plug that into this episode a little bit early because it fits. And then i got a what's on tap, as always, drinking something a little different than beer today. This quarantine's got me feeling some sort of way. And i got something a little special today. But before we get into all of that, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast any way that you can. All of that feedback is greatly appreciated. I do notice all of it. If you like the podcast, if you rate it, subscribe or comment on anything, I see all of it. And then same goes for gangreennation.com. I see all those comments. I engage with anybody who has anything to say on there. Um, as most of you know, this podcast runs through Gang Green Nation. The podcast itself is actually called Gang Green Nation Podcast for New York Jets fans. Mine, This is the Jet Life, is just one of two with Brandon Contest's podcast on there as well right now. So, check it out. Also on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, where I have been spending most of my time in this quarantine between these podcasts. If you're wondering what uh, what the heck does Dan think about this, or you want to engage, you want to see what's going on, follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. Alright, so we are going to begin with draft notes. We were going to have a very strange and bizarre draft to begin with. They were going to have it in Las Vegas. We got the Raiders moving from Oakland to Las Vegas this year, so they really are pumping up the city. They finally got like this gambling thing put to bed a little bit, it feels like, across the country. The Golden Knights had great success there. They're trying to pump up Las Vegas as a nice big sports city. So they're going to do the draft there, right? We're going to be on boats and floating out into the water. And I think they're going to like be, they were planning on boating people to like a floating stage or something ridiculous. It was going to be too much. It was just in perfect Las Vegas fashion. It was going to be way over the top and it's not going to happen anymore because of the pandemic. So they're going to talk about doing a virtual draft. And what do we mean by that? We mean most of you probably been doing Zoom conference calls, doing FaceTimes with your family, loved ones some sort of video messaging or conversational app or program to talk to people that are not in the same building as you. That's what they're going to be doing for this draft. So the general manager and then all of his scouts and team, probably I would say like 10 to 12 people for each team, the typical war room, are going to be on one big conference call. There's going to be phone lines. There's going to be video. And in reality, it's not going to be all that much different than it usually would be. And that's because all trades are made via phone. One team calls another team. Hey, pick up the phone. We got a trade offer. You call your picks in. You see every year the player picks up the phone and says, oh, would you like to be drafted by this team? And they say, yes. You know, they show the players taking the phone calls. It's still going to be all of that. You can do phone calls. No problem. Same as it was. The only thing that's going to change is in the actual war rooms where the teams would set up 10 guys or so and they would talk about their picks and they'd have the big board. And then the selections when the guys come up onto stage and shake Roger Goodell's hand. We don't need all that stuff. We don't need the big red carpet runway and all the fanfare of the stuff. We're here for football. And I honestly think this may be one of the most football-centric drafts we've ever had. We're not going to be talking outfits. We're not going to be showing Aaron Rodgers sitting there holding a phone with his family for 25 minutes waiting for him to get drafted. We're going to be looking at football and hopefully just hopefully the streams will be mostly clips of the players because you can still get your live streams and you can still put your clips from their college play and, you know, we'll see how it's done. It's going to be held on three days. First day, Thursday, 23rd, 8 p.m., the first round of the draft. Just 32 picks. Yes, there are a full 32 picks this year because the Patriots have their pick. They did not cheat on record last year. They will be selecting in this year's draft. So all 32 teams, 
32 teams will go. You can watch on NFL Network, ESPN, or ABC. So ESPN and ABC are going to be very similar because they're both run by the same company, part of Disney. NFL Network might be slightly different. Honestly, each team or each network gets to do their own sort of thing with this draft, so I want to see which one comes out the best. Usually I watch NFL Network um, because I like the analysis of those guys the most, but this year it's going to be who has the best presentation and who handles this whole thing the best. Are we going to be looking at clips or are we going to be looking at a bunch of floating heads and people talking? I don't want to see that. I want to see, you know, football and talk talk players. So you'll see those are our options there. Then we got draft again on Friday, the 24th, 7 p.m. will be rounds 2 and 3. Saturday, the 25th, 12 p.m. will start round 4, and they'll go all the way through round 7. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's what we got on the schedule. Super exciting. Can't wait. So now we're probably wondering, well, what picks do the New York Jets have in this draft? This year, the New York Jets have eight selections. They have a round one selection, number 11 overall. Round two selection, number 48. They have a round three, pick number 68. Another third round pick, number 79, just 10, 11 picks later. They got their round four pick at 120, round five at 158, and then two round six picks, 191 and 211. Now the first third round pick the Jets have, number 68, we got for trading Leonard Williams to the Giants. And that extra sixth round pick that we have, number 211, we got for trading Darren Lee to the Chiefs. We would have potentially given up a sixth round pick if Nate Hairston had met all the conditions of his contract. Um, He had to play a certain number of snaps for the New York Jets, which he didn't. So we got to keep our sixth round pick that we maybe would have had to give to the Colts. And also, uh, the reason that we don't have a seventh round pick this year is because last year, Joe Douglas came and picked up Alex Lewis from the Ravens, traded him for a, got him for a seventh round pick, ended up playing, ended up getting another contract from the New York Jets and did pretty well. So I think he was worth the seventh round pick, but we got eight picks this year. And the first one at number 11 is the big one. That's where we need to find surefire day one starter, help this team right away. The Jets have actually never picked at number 11 before. Which means pretty interesting. They've picked at a bunch of the top 10 positions, picked at 10, picked at 12. They've never picked at 11. So there's no negative history surrounding that pick. Also, Kind of interesting to know, the Jets have picked in the first round every single year since 2006. We've had our first round pick. So 15 years straight, we've got that first round pick. Last year, we didn't have a second round pick, traded it to get Sam Darnold. But, you know, a nice little uh, stretch of first round picks. Unfortunately, those first round picks often don't hit for the New York Jets, and it ends up creating a whole thing. But we're not going to talk about that right now because this year, it's going to be a great first round pick. Now, before we get into the eight sort of selections and what the Jets can do in this draft. I want to talk about what we did last year because tying in the draft together, we had six picks last year. Mike McCagden's last draft with the Jets, and they had some very weird draft picks in this one because Mike McCagden traded like eight times. It was just trading from one pick to another pick to another pick. It felt like he didn't have a clue what he was doing, and then finally it's like, all right, I'm ready to put the pick in, not trading this one. We're taking Trevon Wesco, and you're like, what? So it was a very strange draft. The numbers got all botched around. We didn't have a second round pick, only ended up with six total picks. But last year what we did was at the third overall pick, we took Quinn and Williams. Two third round picks, number 68, Ja'Kai Polite, gone out of the NFL, banished. Horrible, horrible player. One of the biggest busts of all time. Second third round pick, Chuma Adoga, could potentially be starting a tackle for the New York Jets. He's got some promise, some upside. We just have to see if he can get a little bit stronger and tougher in the trenches. With our fourth round pick, It said we traded over to that spot, 121, picked Trevon Wesco, who's right now listed as like our third or fourth string tight end. 
in a mix with Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin, and Daniel Brown. Trevon Wesco is very close to not being on this roster. He's got to start playing some more fullback packages. He's got to start blocking better and then finding ways to get open in the passing game. I imagine they'll keep him on the roster at least through preseason, see what he does there. If he flounders in preseason, he'll probably be gone. If he does a good, decent job, I could see them either keeping four tight ends if they're all healthy or cutting Daniel Brown. But Trevon Wesco, I mean, he is he's on the fringe. Blake Cashman in the fifth round, he was a pretty good pick at 157. He played all right for the New York Jets. I think you definitely could see that for a fifth-round pick, he had a role-player spot on a team. You know, he's not going to be your first-string starting middle linebacker, but he's a good guy that can come in as a replacement. He's quick, and uh, unfortunately, he got injured. He had injury concerns coming in. He got injured again last year, so it depends. You know, if he can be healthy, I think you'd see him in that room of middle linebackers. If he can't, unfortunately, his time's going to be up. And the last one, Blashawn Austin, picked one hundred. Pick number 195 in the sixth round. He was a guy that the New York Jets picked, and he was completely injured, unable to play, started the season on the PUP list, and it was like another one of McCagnon's diamond-in-the-rough guys. Like, is this guy even going to be able to touch the field? Like Jeremy Clark and Derek Jones and all these players all over again. But LaShawn Austin ended up coming in midway through last year and played really well. I'm not going to say that he's a, a surefire starting number one or number two outside cornerback for this New York Jets team. I mean... As of right now, he would be slated for that spot. I think that things will change before that, and potentially, ideally, it won't be him starting, or at least he'll be competing for the spot, but he was a nice sort of surprise there. So in six picks, you could call Polite a guaranteed bust. You would call Trevon Wesco trending down, and then Blake Cashman, eh, your good ones here, Quinn and Williams. Could still be very, very good. I still have high expectations for him. Chuma Adoga is on that line of like, oh, maybe he's going to be a starter in this NFL. And then Blashawn Austin, same thing. I think you got potentially three starters. More realistically, two of those guys probably will end up being starters. Between Chuma and Blashawn, one of those two will probably end up being a, a mainstay sort of starter in this league. And the other one will probably perish, as happens every single year. So it's kind of a look back at last year. We did have a few undrafted guys last year as well. The main one, Kyle Phillips, defensive lineman, number 98 last year. You saw him make some big plays, and for an undrafted guy making no money, we got him back again this year. He's a great addition. He's part of the reason that we were able to trade Leonard Williams for that third pick, third-round pick from the Giants to begin with, because we had Kyle Phillips panning out, making no money. It was like, we could probably move on and still have a good player here. So Kyle Phillips, big find there. Kyron Brown, cornerback. Spotty in the preseason, spotty in the regular season, played here and there as guys were injured. He may be making another run at this New York Jets team again. Don't be surprised if you see him in preseason and if potentially, depending on the cornerback room, if he makes the team again and plays some games for this Jets roster. But he's not he's not super talented, but still a guy that can has played on the field for an undrafted free agent. Not the worst. And then Greg Dorch, a punt returner that a lot of people liked. We ended up moving on from him, taking Braxton Berrios off the Patriots when they cut him. Dorch moved on. Hopefully his career continues, but uh, yeah, so three more guys there. That's kind of what we're looking for in this draft. Um, that's like a, a base for, you know, a few undrafted free agents make the roster, maybe one of them pops, and then you try to get half or more of your draft class right. Now, the New York Jets have eight picks this year. If they could get four or five picks right, starters for the league, one or two that are surefire right away starters, and then three guys that are like actively on the roster for years to come and, and you know, trending upwards that's what we're looking for and that's what the Jets haven't found in years John Idzik was here briefly but failed immensely 
Mike McCagnan failed time and time again. Found a few really good players in there, but for the most part failed at the draft. Pretty heavily for a guy that came from a scouting background. Really unimpressive. You'd probably have to go back to the Mike Tannenbaum days before you really could say that the New York Jets had a guy who could consistently turn out some good players. Since then, it's been one here, one there. I mean, eventually you're going to hit on a guy, right? You'd think. I mean, John Idzik couldn't, but Mike McCagnan here and there hit on a couple stars. But it's just the depth. You need to find 50% of this class needs to be successful. So it's it's Joe Douglas's turn. And honestly, I have very, very high expectations for him. I think he's going to be really good. And I think that this draft class is literally set up perfectly for the New York Jets. With the holes that we have and the players that are available and the picks that we have and everything, it's almost like the perfect storm to get this team moving in the right direction. And for all I know, it's possible Joe Douglas planned this all along, and he's got the exact same vision for the team that I have. That's yet to be determined. In one week, we're going to see just how spot on with this whole thing I've been. Or uh, if I don't have a freaking clue what's happening, and I'm just going to be sitting back enjoying the ride, hoping that Joe Douglas leads us the right way. There were many years that I thought I knew what Mike McCagnan was doing was completely wrong, and uh, I just have a better feel about I feel like I can trust Joe Douglas more. Like He's not as sneaky and shady. He's kind of just like straightforward, like, we want to build an offensive line. We want to have some cornerbacks. We need some receivers. It's like, we get that feeling. Mike McCagnan was just like, I think I'm going to try to find a great player with a great story that nobody's ever heard of that's going to shock everybody into thinking, I know better than them. There's this guy from Fort Hayes College, Nathan Shepard. I know you've never heard of him, and he's 26 years old and probably not very good, but he's got a great backstory, and this guy one day could be something special. And imagine how good that story would be if I picked him when no one else knew. And he's like, that's not what we need. We need the guy that played for, you know, Notre Dame and played for Alabama and is a really good, consistent player that's been coached well and knows what he's doing and hopefully is a little bit younger. But alas, I rant. I need not talk about drafts of the past poor failures. No, we can talk about what's going to happen. And in one week, the New York Jets will start selecting and they've got a few holes left on this roster and it's time to attack them. I think the main holes on this team are as follows. Number one, biggest hole, offensive tackle. We've got two right now that have played, started at tackle, being Chuma Adoga and George Fant. We've got potentially Connor McDermott behind, which we don't trust him to play. He's a good developmental guy. But you really need to have four tackles, three that you can trust to play. You always end up using them. You know last year, Beecham, Shell, Compton, and Adoga. Same sort of thing this year. When you have Fant sitting there next to Adoga, you're like, all right, we, we know we need one more guy. Unless they're going after him in free agency, it's going to be this draft. So tackle number one. This guy's potentially going to start. I think George Fant and Chuma Adoga should probably battle each other out for a starting spot on the left or right because they both potentially can swing. And I think the other guy hopefully will come from this draft. Maybe that guy enters the fray battling it out as well. But you need three guys, not two, battling it out. The number two position that we need, wide receiver. Robbie Anderson walked. You don't have him anymore. The guy we bring in, Brashad Perriman, a guy that I am not in any way high on. We lost... Potentially Quincy Nunwa, depending on his health. So we're looking at a room there that's like Jamison Crowder's in the slot. We trust him. But outside, guys like Brashad Perriman, Vincent Smith, Quincy Nunwa, Josh Doxson, that is a huge need. We're talking about trying to get Sam Darnold to the next level. We're talking about trying to see him evolve and grow and progress in this Jets offense. He needs weapons. He needs guys that can consistently get open, consistently catch the ball, and yards after catch. Think of how many yards after catch Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill give Patrick Mahomes. 
all those yards that he throws, I mean, he does get a ton of air yards, but it's not all air yards for him. These guys are running after the catch and making him look way better than he is, or his stats inflated. He is really good, we know that, but his stats are inflated for those yards after catch. Sam Darnold doesn't get any of that. Nobody on this team is taking the ball and running to the house. We need some big plays. We need some guys that can get the ball, go up there, red zone, pylon throws, a big target. We need a bunch. Wide receiver, we can replace three of those guys instantly. Number three position to need, cornerback. Now, cornerback, when you look on paper, potentially looks like the biggest need on the team because our starters right now would be like Blashawn Austin, Pierre Desir, Brian Poole we like, but like Blashawn Austin, we're not sure about him, and behind him would be like Arthur Mollette, maybe a guy like Kyron Brown, Nate Harrison. It's like, yikes. But you have to remember that Greg Williams had horrible corners, just as bad last year, and he made it work pretty well. That defense looked all right. He plugged in guys all year long. He plugged in Arthur Mollette and Kyron Brown and Maurice Kennedy, Blashawn Austin, and made it work. So for me, it's it. we need a cornerback. We need some help there. I want it to be a better unit than it was last year. But the way Greg Williams works, it doesn't have to be a star to function properly. We can get just like a good, solid player, add him to the mix. We just need a little bit more depth. We don't want to be scraping the practice squads of other teams trying to find a guy to play cornerback like we did last year. So I really want to bring a good cornerback in. That's my number three position of need. Number four would be edge rusher. Edge rusher is kind of a weird position in the NFL now because it's like, it's both defensive end and outside linebacker, but it's been kind of determined to be its own position. The Jets just say we run a base 3-4. Three off defensive linemen, Quinnen Williams, um, Henry Anderson, and we'll put Kyle Phillips there with some good backups of McClendon, Fadakasi, and Nathan Shepard. We get two outside linebackers. We got Jordan Jenkins back. He's on one side, probably on the right, if you were looking down from the defensive line to the safeties. On the left side, right now, would be Terrell Basham. Not really a guy behind him. Harvey Lange would be there. He's not great. Frankie Louvu's gone. I mean, we saw Harvey Lange get a stint last year. Didn't get anything done. You got three guys. That's a room you want to have four or five guys there. Right now, we've got like three, and one of them's Harvey Lange. So Terrell Basham and Jordan Jenkins technically could be starters day one. Jordan Jenkins for sure. And I swear to God, I just had to pause the episode real quick because I was doing this. I I thought to myself, wait a minute, did we sign Marcus Golden? Because I had a dream, a a seriously vivid dream like three days ago that the Jets signed Marcus Golden to a one-year $9 million contract. Very vivid. And sometimes and I was just like, do we actually have him on the roster? I had to double check. He is not on the roster. Um, he's still a free agent, and Marcus Golden's a guy that I wanted there all along. I'd still like to get him for that spot. Um, but right now, it's Jordan Jenkins and Terrell Basham. And we need another guy to come in there. Now, the big thing, a couple of them. One, I prioritize cornerback over edge because I like uh, you know coverage sacks. The Jets have been built off of that for years. Terrell Rivas, Antonio Cromartie. We always had a good back end in the, in the secondary. Never had a great up front. Our edge rushers fail consistently, and we've drafted so many. We've drafted guys like... Vernon Golston, Quinn Copels, we drafted Lorenzo Malden, Dylan Donahue, Ja'Kai Polite. It just feels like one after another, and these guys aren't bad. They're busts. They're not even close to good. And I have this, like, really sore spot of, like, ugh. So, it's like, cornerbacks, I feel like we turn out cornerbacks pretty well. I would gladly, you know, aside from Kyle Wilson, D. Milliner, there's been some busts, but we've had some really good ones. I trust that position a lot more than going after edge. It feels like, at least from a Jets fan perspective, edge rushers, especially like the mid-late rounds, they never work out. So I'll put that at the number four. We do need a guy to start, potentially over Terrell Basham, if we don't get another guy in free agency. But it's potentially a position that we 
you know, could work without. And it's one of the first positions off the field if you need to add in your nickel cornerback, Brian Poole, who will be on the field very often. Number five, interior offensive line. Technically, we have an interior offensive line set right now with Greg Van Roten, Connor McGovern, Alex Lewis, and Brian Winters. That gives us four guys, many of which are interchangeable and can move on that line. Brian Winters is probably the least interchangeable of them all, at least from what we've seen. We've got four guys there that can start and be at least average. They're not going to be great. Connor McGovern probably is the only guy that's got like good to great quality level in him. The other guys, maybe not so much, but they're, but they're solid. And when you got four guys there, it's not a huge deal. The issue here is we've got a one-year deal for Alex Lewis. We've got Greg Van Roten for a couple years. Brian Winter's going to leave. McGovern's there. It's like, we need to turn this thing over. And what we found, the reason that our offensive line was so bad last year, the year before, and going into this year, is because we haven't drafted the position. We haven't turned people around. Offensive line is super important. It needs to be drafted and built from within. And the Jets have ignored it for so long that eventually it just goes by the wayside and falls apart. You can't have a bad offensive line in the NFL if you want to be successful. And you have to keep turning those guys through. And it's time for us to add some young guys, you know, four-year contracts on a rookie deal into this unit. Maybe the guy won't start right away. It's got a great opportunity to start behind a starter. Start behind Greg Van Roten, let him play, learn it, feel it out, and then come in next year and be a starter then. And cut Brian Winters, don't resign Alex Lewis, whatever you want to do. Interior offensive line would be great. That goes for center, left guard, or right guard. Because as I said, a lot of these guys that we have right now are interchangeable. And we'll be able to find a way to make it work. My number six position of need, and is my last actual position of like need right now, is running back. I think that last year we had Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, and Le'Veon Bell. And going into the season, it looked like a pretty good room. Ty Montgomery ended up not getting a ton of favor from the coaches. Wasn't super successful with the team. He's gone. Bilal Powell, we know that he was injured. We were worried he wouldn't come back. He's gone right now, currently not in the Jets. What we really have is like Josh Adams, who was a practice squad guy that the Jets kept, and we'll see if he's going to be on the roster, potentially as like a number three running back. And then number one, Le'Veon Bell, of course, getting paid a ton of money. But we really need a guy in that, you know, we've had Eli McGuire over the years, Bilal Powell over the years, Lamont Jordan, Leon Washington, a backup running back always who's capable of toting the rock, a young up-and-coming guy who's got fresh legs, and you can, you know, change a pace guy. And so Le'Veon Bell is kind of that average, all-around balanced type running back. He's not super speedy. He's also not super big. He's just like a mix of good-sized guy with some power. He can catch. He can block. He can run up the middle. He can run outside. It'd be nice to have either a bruising running back to pick up like third and ones or goal line carries, or even better, a scat running back, a guy like Darren Sproles, a guy like Tariq Cohen that you can throw in on like third and 17 and maybe pick it up. So bringing another guy, change of pace running back, to partner with Le'Veon Bell would be great. It also would give us a little bit more flexibility with Le'Veon Bell's contract and with the years moving forward because, you know, eventually he's not going to be there. It's just nice to have a, a rotation of guys turnstiling in, and we all know you can find good running backs in the mid-round of the NFL draft. So I'd like to see the Jets bring somebody in there. We definitely need a backup running back. Now I got three more positions that they should fo- look at but not focus on. Quarterback. Backup quarterback right now is only David Fales. He's not great. Tim White would be an option as well, who doesn't have any NFL experience. We'd like to find a nice backup quarterback. We didn't bring one in free agency yet. We still might, but we may be able to draft a guy, you know, another one of those Bryce Petties, who's never going to be a starter. Kellen Clemens, not meant to be a starter, but could be a good backup for a long time. When you have a guy like that, it's actually worthwhile. It's not something that you want to spend your third round pick or your second round pick on. 
But when you have a guy there just sitting, waiting, learning, knows the thing and is, you know, there to be a part of the team and learn behind your starting quarterback, he gets it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. A backup safety. We almost got Marquis Christian, a guy to come over from the Rams and play like that third, fourth safety spot, do some really good special teams work for us, kind of replace the role that Rontez Miles has filled for the past four or five years. But that deal fell through. We don't have him anymore. So the option is like potentially Matthias Farley, Bennett Jackson, who's never really played. And I don't know how this guy still keeps getting shots in the NFL without ever touching the field. It seems very strange. Uh, but having a good safety, a special teamer, a guy that can come in on three safety sets would be important. Not a position you have to prioritize, but it would be nice to have. Marcus Mann, Jamal Adams, boom. We know starter one, starter two. There they are. Having that third guy, somebody that can come in, it's a nice uh, it's a nice luxury to have for a good defense. And then kicker and punter. We were not sure what the scoop was with Lock Edwards. Are we going to have a punter this year? Maybe we won't have to punt. The offense could be so good, we prioritize everything else. We never punt all season. But more realistically, we look at a punter. If there's one in the draft that we like, potentially we bring one in at least... You know, you bring two into preseason, you always have your Jacob Shum on the roster, and you let him try and just see what happens, and maybe one day he ends up punting. So I think that you at least draft a guy, undrafted free agent would be fine picking him up. Same with kicker, and you could potentially find there's only like two or three good kickers in this entire draft. So if you pick one up or grab it as an undrafted free agent, that would also be a nice move because we've got uh, Brett Maher as our kicker but we'd like to have some competition for him. And again, you always have your Ross Martin. You'd like to have two kickers going into preseason and see what you can find there. So those are our positions of need. Now, I'm going to kind of talk about how this stuff is going to work together. But first, a commercial. All right, so I want to kind of talk about how we can address these positions in this draft, starting with our picks and just kind of go through what players we should be looking at at in each spot, I think there's a certain pocket in this draft where you should be looking at offensive tackles. There's a pocket where wide receivers make sense. There's a pocket of running backs that I really like, and they kind of have rounds associated with them. So I want to go over that. But before I do, I want to talk about my dad's father time on this week's father time, where my dad, David Burnham, gives me a submission of his thoughts on the New York Jets. He's been a lifelong Jets fan watching them for way longer than I've been. He's the guy that got me into them. He's the guy that I watch all the games with. We talk about the Jets basically nonstop. And I'm lucky that he sends me a little thought, blurb, article, something every week before I record an episode just to kind of give me his thoughts and I can read it to you guys. So this week's, of course, pertaining to the draft, Father Time, written by David Burnham. I expect Joe Douglas to draft a tackle in the first round. Many don't. To me, teams keep their good offensive linemen. If they show up as free agents, there are reasons why they weren't kept. Still, needy teams will pay top dollar for poor players. There's a very long list of recent poor free agent linemen that have been Jets. Because good offensive linemen don't hit the open market. They must be drafted. Keep in mind that a good or great lineman can be good or great for 15 years. So if it is a tackle, it's expected that one of the top four would be a Jet. My order of preference is Wills from Alabama, Thomas from Georgia, Worfs from Iowa, and fourth, Becton from Louisville. There could be a two-hour barroom discussion on who is best, but those are my choices. If Becton's the remaining pick at 11, I would consider one of the top receivers. I'll call it a coin flip. I question the quality after Becton. Jones and Jackson are not nearly as good as the top four. If he goes with wide receiver at 11, it's expected that it'll be either C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. 
Conversations have been had for six months on who prefers who, and it actually doesn't matter. What matters is who will JD prefer. What attributes, what style, what strengths. This is his first draft. For wide receivers, it's going to be interesting to see if our new GM prefers size, speed, hands, contested passes, route running, red zone, etc. I expect at least two receivers to be drafted. I'm looking forward to hearing his choices. Big, tall, strong, and small and shifty. Two speed guys. Two big guys. I believe in and expect diversification. Same for O-line. Will JD choose a motion zone scheme or a power man-on-man? We really don't know. So far, it seems that he covets pass protection as a priority, which is fine with me. I'm pretty sure that the Taj Mahal was built on a solid foundation. It's time for the Jets to get back to their roots and have that dominant offensive line again. It starts up front. In Joe Douglas we trust. Go Jets. Woo-wee! What a father time. I couldn't agree more with basically everything that he said there. I mean, we, me and him have gone back and forth on the offensive tackles in this draft and possibly just as a product of us talking about the same guys over and over, I have my offensive linemen rated the exact same. I have Wills, Thomas, Werfs, and then Becton. And I also, same spot, Becton, I'm so 50-50 on Becton that I would be happy to go wide receiver at that position. If you're looking at C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, those are the two that I'd want there, just like my dad. That's why I read this whole thing first, because I'm so in line with this that I wanted him to get his thoughts out before I kind of just set them all episode and then read his thing. This is... Uh, this is the insight from a very smart, good, knowledgeable Jets fan, and there's a ton of truth to what he's saying. I would also expect two receivers to be drafted by Joe Douglas. Just looking at this thing, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't take two. This is a ridiculously deep wide receiver draft class, and we need two receivers. We're not going in there with Josh Doxson. That guy's not even going to be healthy through preseason, I'm sure of it. It's not going to happen. We need two receivers. We can replace Barrios, Vincent Smith, I know that like we like Barrios. He was a good punt returner. We like Vincent Smith. He had a couple big plays. We gave him a nickname, Big Play Vince. Josh Doxson has like a little flash to him. It's like, maybe this guy could turn it out. We got a soft spot for Quinton Nunwa because we drafted him forever ago, and he's one of those few guys that actually panned out, the one from John Idzik's draft class. But in reality, if we upgraded any single one of those guys, would be a better team. If we had a better player than Braxton Barrios, a guy that could return punts and play better wide receiver, it'd be a good thing. Vincent Smith? There is better wide receiver play in the league than him. And if we can find it and improve him, that would be awesome. And some of these guys can remain on the roster as deeper bench pieces. That's perfectly fine too, but we need to bring some receivers out, and I love this draft class. And he's mentioned it, big guys, small guys, shifty guys. What is Joe Douglas going to do? I'm looking at this draft class, and I love the big guys. I see a lot of guys 6'3", 6'4", that I love. I'm not as big on the speedy, shifty guys, but there are a few that I think are very interesting. It's really important to me to see what does he think. And uh, yeah, so I'm right there with you, Dad. That was a good father time. I appreciate the submission and uh, look forward to hopefully the prophecy coming true. So now let's start talking about some of these positions, right? We mentioned in order the positions in need. Tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, edge, interior offensive line, running back. So now let's talk about each one. What rounds I think make sense for this position and who I like from each one. Starting with number one, round one to two is where tackles make sense. There is not a super deep tackle draft class. There are four very good ones, in order, Wills, Thomas, Werf, Specton. Then there are a few guys that could easily be late first round, second round kind of guys. And that's Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, and Ezra Cleveland. 
There's a couple other guys that maybe you could say could be in that second, third round range, but not really, and those guys aren't going to be starting. And as I mentioned, this is the number one position of need. You can't be going in there with a guy that's like, well, he's got a little bit of upside, and maybe he could progress. No, we need a guy to come in here and compete today. We need a guy to compete with George Fant, to compete with Chuma Adoga, and knock one of these guys out. And that's going to happen with one of those seven guys that I mentioned. Wills, Thomas, Werfs, Becton, Josh Jones, Jackson, and Ezra Cleveland. Those are the seven options. Four of them will be at least in round one, possibly more. So that's a round one, round two target spot. It's got to be. If we don't get them round one, we got to go round two. If we don't go round one with an offensive lineman, we may have to trade up back into round one or higher up in round two to get one of these guys. So that's number one. Then moving over, and I want to spend a lot of time here, wide receivers. Let's talk about these wide receivers for like an hour and a half, can we? I'll tell you, I've been doing research on this draft class, right? And so I've been looking at the positions, and I've been really prioritizing looking at the tackles, the wide receivers, the cornerbacks, edge, interior offensive line, and running back. The positions that I think we really need, those are the guys that I'm studying and the guys that I'm learning. But no position is more fun to look at in this draft class than wide receiver. I've got a list of 23 guys that I badly want the New York Jets to draft. 23. In order, and every single one, just like almost as good as the guy before him. It's just like, oh, or you could get him. And if you don't get him, you could get him. And every single round, you run a mock draft, you can find a guy in round three, four, five, six, a wide receiver that you love that's available. That's why in this draft, I have wide receiver listed rounds one through six. Because at pick 11, you could go C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, the two best wide receivers in this draft class. Either one would work at that pick. If you can't get the tackle you need, boom. And if not, there's a guy in every single other round. And like we said, you need two wide receivers in this draft class. So looking through the entire draft, looking at this wide receiver spot, Let's talk about some of the guys that I like. You may not know who all these guys are. It's not a huge deal. Um, it doesn't really matter. I can just spout off a bunch of names. It doesn't matter what names I say. It matters which names we draft. Those are the guys that we're really going to pay attention to. These are just some names to get familiar with in my order of where I like them after my time spent watching them, especially as like how it pertains to fitting into the Jets roster. Um, so like I said, Lamb and Judy at the top. My next guy, Justin Jefferson from LSU. Love that guy, all-around player. You got a speedster in Henry Ruggs next from Alabama, who could be really good, fit, you know, dynamic playmaker. I really like T. Higgins from Clemson. He's like an AJ Green, always stays outside the numbers, but is really good, strong, fast, and catches a good deep ball. You got a kind of all-around player at six-three, Denzel Mims from Baylor, who's super flashy, can get a ton done, just looks like a nicely built wide receiver. I got Rieger, five-eleven from TCU. And Rieger's a guy that I really liked when I watched him first. I was like, Rieger's my guy. He's a freaking killer wide receiver. Top five, no question. Then he came to the combine, and he looked really out of shape, looked clunky and kind of messy. And I don't like to put too much faith or anything in what I see at the combine. I guess Rieger had a much better pro day, but watching him there, I was just like at the combine. I just felt a little uneasy, so I moved him down a little bit. But that's a guy that if he gets back in shape and can be what he looked like he was at TCU, great player. Small 5'11" but the guy plays really big. Michael Pittman from USC, six foot four. This guy played with Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold was leaving USC. Pittman came in. This guy can play basically any position. He plays special teams. And when he plays wide receiver, he goes across the middle. He does bubble screens. He can go deep. He can do yards after catch. He's strong, physical. He knows what he is, and he's a great player. And I love Michael Pittman. And if you're looking for kind of a speedster, athletic kind of guy, Ayuk 
six foot O, Arizona State. Ayuk is a nice player. He's got some wheels. He's a guy that if you get the ball in his hands on the screen pass or anything like that, he can make it happen. Then I got a couple of big guys that I really like here. Brian Edwards, Chase Claypool. Both of them, huge, big body, beefy guys that can go up and catch a ball. They can get the pylon pass, but they got some good speed, yards after catch. They make incredible catches, and they're really good from South Carolina and Notre Dame, respectively. Another guy that I have really high that's a sort of all-around guy that can punt return, super athletic, agile, but also plays pretty big, and that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Some people aren't super high on him, but Peoples-Jones coming out of Michigan is a guy that is dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's got a crazy set of like running back, open field skills, spin moves, juke moves, stiff arms, stuff like that, but he also can make really impressive catches, and if that translates to the NFL level, he could be really good. Then I got a couple of guys that I'm not high on, but I think that they could potentially be good. Um, this is like, I think we're at like number 14, 15 here or so. And that's LaVisca Chenault and KJ Hamler. And LaVisca Chenault, I'm not a fan of him at all. I think that he's super raw. I think that he had most of his success in college, like running the ball from the one yard line, taking these direct snap passes. He's like a running back that doesn't really know how to catch cleanly and effectively yet. And I just don't want a raw guy like that that plays big bruising running back style as my outside receiver. It's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. KJ Hamler, he's another guy. He's 5'9". He makes sense as a slot guy, kind of, but with uh, Jamison Crowder that we have already on the roster, KJ Hamler's not a guy that I'm looking at specifically. I'd rather have a bigger outside guy that can play. You don't have to be huge, but you know, 5'11 would be nice, plus. Now a guy later in the draft that some people are uh, are not really paying much attention to. That's Antonio Gandy-Golden. This guy's 6'4 from Liberty. Really small school, but the guy is like a machine catching the ball. He reminds me kind of of Braylon Edwards. And I know you're thinking, like, Braylon Edwards, he was, like, really inconsistent. Listen, Braylon Edwards, first of all, had a really good little stint in Cleveland first. He was an okay Jet. He had some really nice plays for us. But if you're drafting this guy in the fourth, fifth round out of Liberty and you become Braylon Edwards, that's a really good pick. It's way better than a lot of fourth and fifth round picks that a lot of teams get. Antonio Gandy-Golden played for a small school. The competition wasn't great. But he makes circus catches. He's super tall. He uses his body well. He's a nice guy. I've heard him in interviews, and I like him a lot. So Gandy Golden would be a guy I'd be really happy with. Then a couple other guys. Tyler Johnson, six foot two from Minnesota. He's a solid all-around wide receiver for sure. Van Jefferson, six foot two from Florida. I should probably have him a little higher because he's one of the best route runners in this draft. He doesn't have like a crazy good skill set in terms of athleticism, strength, size, anything like that. But he runs routes so well and so cleanly that you know that if he gets onto the Jets, Sam Darnold is going to find a way to get the ball into his hands because he's going to get open. And that's one of the most important things in the NFL. It's not about like outrunning everybody when you have the ball and making the circus catches of guys covering you because you probably won't get thrown at that often. It's about getting open, getting two, three yards of separation because that's when Sam Darnold throws you the ball. So Van Jefferson could easily do that. Devin Duvernay. 5'10 out of Texas. He's a quick speedster guy that could easily be good if you want to go like a big and small receiver. Duvernay might be that nice small guy. Gabriel Davis, another small school guy out of UCF. He's 6'3", pretty solid. Another guy from the AAC, James Proach. I really like this guy. 6'0", from SMU, and uh, he's going to be a later pick guy, maybe undrafted free agent, maybe 6th, 7th round. He reminds me a lot of Jeremy Curley. And again... You're like, well, Jeremy Curley's not really a guy you want to go after in the draft. But when you're drafting a per, like perennial fourth string, third string wide receiver that can play in the league for 10 years, 
that's really good for a sixth, seventh round pick. So James Proach could easily be that guy. He was constantly like receiver of the year in the AAC. And, you know, I'm a little sucker for the AAC because that's where UConn is. But uh, we'll see what he can do there. You got some other guys that are worth looking at. Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State, six foot four. Jawan Jennings, 6'3", from Tennessee. K.J. Hill, he's only 6 feet tall from OSU. I'm not a huge fan of K.J. Hill, but he's a guy some people like. You got guys Lynn Bowden, Colin Johnson, Lipscomb, Courtney Davis, Quez Watkins, Quentin Cephas. The guys that I mentioned later on there, I'm not as big into other than Lynn Bowden. Um, but, I mean, that's a list of like 25, 30 guys that could play wide receiver for the New York Jets and potentially could fight for a starting role in this New York Jets offense. You know, some of those later guys, maybe not, but you got 15, 16, 17 of those first guys up until about Van Jefferson, you're looking at a starting number one, number two outside receiver. And that's incredible. And that's why the New York Jets need to be looking at this position in every round. There's guys that are worth drafting in the first round. There are guys that are worth, in that second round, if you can get Denzel Mims or you can get T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson, you gotta pull the, you gotta pull the trigger. In that third round, if you're staring at Pittman, Ayuk, Edwards, Claypool, you got to pull the trigger. Fourth round, if Peoples-Jones is sitting there, Gandy Golden, Tyler Jefferson, Van Jefferson, you got to pull the trigger. I mean, there's going to be guys in every round that you're looking at that you're like, ooh, this is good. You don't want to draft them. You know, you got to make sure that you, you're smart with the other positions as well because I think you can always find a receiver in this draft that you like. But you do have to find in a way to mix in the other positions. And we'll still go to the next one now. And that's going to be cornerback. Cornerback is another group that I really like in this draft. And for me, I have cornerbacks listed as basically rounds one through six as well. Because in the first round, the only other player that I haven't mentioned, first round pick, you're talking one of those offensive tackles, potentially one of those wide receivers. The only other guy that I would draft is if he slips, cornerback Jeff Akuda, Because he's really freaking good, and we need a cornerback. And that guy, if he's there, it means the tackles are probably gone maybe even one or two of the wide receivers, and Akuda is super talented. We could use an outside starting lockdown or, uh, cornerback right away. Boom, that would be him. It would shift the draft around, but it would really help. So I have him, I have that position available in round one all the way through six, just like wide receiver. I think there are guys that are worth getting in almost any round, depending on where you're picking. You know, they're going to be slightly better, slightly worse, but there are good cornerbacks available throughout this draft. My list here goes Jeff Akuda. C.J. Henderson, Trevon Diggs. My number four guy who I really like for that second, third round. This is a guy I'm really big on, Jalen Johnson from Utah. Then Christian Fulton, uh, Jeff Gladney, A.J. Terrell, Bryce Hall, Noah Igbongin, Cam Dantzler, Damon Arnett, Amik Robertson, and then potentially some other guys the Jets would look at later in the rounds. Pride, Humudia. Jackson, Holmes, Vildor, Scott, and a guy, Reggie Robinson, that my dad and I both really like uh, out of Tulsa, a small school guy that could be available in that 5th, 6th, 7th round. Uh, the Jets don't pick in the 7th round, but if they end up trading back or anything. Reggie Robinson, not a household name by any means, but potentially a good player because he came from a small school and he's got good size. You see, like, okay, he could be a guy that kind of turns it on in the NFL. So those cornerbacks, when I look at it, Jalen Johnson's a guy that really stands out to me that I really want. Another guy in that list that I'd highlight, Bryce Hall. He's probably going to be a third or fourth round guy. Really like him. He's got good, uh, he doesn't have crazy speed, but he's got good ball skills. If you're looking for a small guy, Amik Robertson, he's foot nine. He kind of plays like Brian Poole, but the guy is good and he's tough. And then, you know, Stefan Diggs' brother, Trevon Diggs, this guy's a freaking athlete. 
six foot two out of Alabama, you know that this guy's got some freaking skill. He's just got to polish and refine himself a little bit. Um, I'd be happy with any of those guys that I mentioned on that list, you know, especially up to like a Meek Robertson, those top 10 guys. I like them a lot. I think that the, it makes sense to draft one second, third, fourth round. I think if you draft one of those guys, you're going to be going between like Henderson and Omik Robertson. There's like nine, 10 guys in that area that you could draft. And if the Jets can get one of them, it'd be super helpful for this team. They'd probably start week one for the Jets. All right. Before we get over to the next position group, edge rushers, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Wowee, was that riveting stuff. Now we want to move over to the edge position, but before that, we got to take a quick pit stop to the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap, the segment of the episode where I talk about the beer that I'm currently drinking while recording this episode. And I always say beer, but this week, it is not a beer, nor is it a mixed drink. What it is is my new quarantine beverage, whiskey. And I've been drinking a whole heck of a lot of whiskey and trying new rare whiskeys. I've got a guy now who's plugging me in saying when they get like rare stuff in the back, hey, we got two bottles of this. You want to try it? I'm buying them, buying out all the super rare stuff, whatever I can get my hands on. And uh, today is something called Buffalo Trace. And it is delicious. It is one of my favorite bourbons that I've had in a long time. I think it's my favorite one that I've tried over these last couple of weeks of drinking it. I have it right now in a New York Jets decanter that is signed with my name. This is a sort of super cool, classy old man trinket that I have that was given to me by girlfriend Shannon for Christmas. And yeah, when I get a nice bottle, I pour her in there. And it kind of gives me, it's got like a glass top that sets in it. So it kind of gives me like a reason to keep drinking it a little bit quicker because I feel like, ooh, I don't want it to go bad or all evaporate on me because it's got alcohol in it. So I drink it extra quick. But I got this delicious Buffalo Trace and it is a gem. I think it was like 33 bucks for a uh, 750 and it's a little sweet if you don't mind sweet bourbons, but it's it's smooth. It's got a nice sort of rattle to it going down your throat. It's like really soft and subtle, but still gives you that like little that harsh twang that you kind of look for in a whiskey and I'm loving it. It is a great quarantine treat. If you're like me, get into some whiskeys during this quarantine. There is no better time to just be hammered. I do a two-finger neat pour in a whiskey glass, and that's it. No water, no ice, nothing. Room temperature, two-finger pour, deliciousness. But now, as this podcast goes on, we are on our third finger, and it is still delightful. Okay, so that is what's on tap. Let's move over to the number four position of need, edge rushers. Edge rushers, I don't love in this draft. There are some guys that I like, but I mentioned it before. I don't trust them. I don't trust the guys that are Lorenzo Malden, Dylan Donahue, you name it. They don't ever work for the Jets. They always suck. So I look at these guys, and I watch them on film, and I think to myself, I just watched Ja'Kai Polite have very similar college tape. I just watched Vernon Golston. I just watched whomever else, and I thought it looked good in college. I thought the guy looked like he had at least NFL ability to get five sacks and then you watch him on the field and you're like there's no way this guy's ever getting three sacks it's just not happening so I don't feel good about these guys but I'm probably wrong and if the Jets pick the right one I'm sure Greg Williams will use him effectively that being said these are some of the guys that I like and for me I think rounds three to five and for that I mean I don't love a guy in round one for sure at that 11 spot I don't love a guy for round two either you could be looking at like a AJ Epeniso or your Turgros Matos 
I'm not into those guys as much, especially not in that second round pick, even if they fall. So I look to that third round. And I only go up to the fifth round because I don't want a sixth round edge rusher who's horrible and no one's ever heard of because nine times out of 10, if the guy's good and has any ability, it's like offensive tackle. You don't find a good offensive tackle in the sixth round. You don't find a good edge rusher in the sixth round because these are such premium positions that are so hard to find and so hard to draft that if they have any sort of little ability, they're going to go a little bit earlier. So three to five, that's our sweet spot for going edge. This is my list of guys. I got Julian Aquara. Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche, Curtis Weaver, Bradley Ane, Jonathan Greenard, and Jonathan Garvin. And that's my list of like seven guys that I like at that position between the third and fifth round. I'm not entirely sure which is the best. It's a very difficult position to kind of evaluate because unless you're watching the full games, which I don't do, it's hard to tell how often they get burned, how often they're getting blocked into the ground, and uh, you're not always seeing them up against the best competition in the world. So it's a little hard to tell. But those are guys that watching them on film, I like what they bring to the table. I think that they have potential to be good. And I would trust in Joe Douglas and Greg Williams to get it right. If they pick one of those guys, I'll know who they are and I'll be happy. So that's edge. Now let's go to the interior offensive line. Another position that's extremely boring. This this is the most boring position to watch ever. And that's okay. We'll talk about it anyway. Interior offensive linemen, there are some good players. For this, I have the position rated for around tunes for rounds two to six, right? Offensive line, like we mentioned, interior may not be starting year one. These are developmental players. There are a few guys that are really good in round two that could be worth going for. That would be a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry, potentially a guy like Cesar Ruiz. If they're on the board for interior offensive line, you may draft them in the second round. Other than that, you got a bunch of guys in rounds three, four, five, six. You can draft them wherever. These are going to be developmental players probably. Some of them won't pan out, but you never know. It's interior offensive line, so it's a little bit less valued than the tackle position. Sometimes centers slip. You can sometimes find a guy. Um, so here's a list of some guys that we like. We already mentioned Lloyd Cushenberry, Cesar Ruiz as some top guys there. You got guys like Isaiah Wilson, Jonah Jackson. You got Natane Muti, who's been injured, but the guy could be good. Tyler Biadash, Jake Hansen, Matt Hennessy, and there are more. Those are just a few guys that I like in those middle rounds. Potentially, if one's on the board, if we found some wide receivers and a cornerback and offensive tackle, you could easily go with one of those positions or one of those players, and uh, I'd be very happy. May not start right away, may not be good enough to start right away, but potentially two years from now, the guy could be. The next position, and this is the guy that could start right away, is going to be running back, and I like the running backs in this draft class. I put them, for me, the guys that I like, rounds three to five is my sweet spot for running backs. So two, there are a couple of guys that I I would be hard-pressed not to take in round two, but I think there will be another wide receiver or cornerback or interior offensive lineman that I would want more than the running backs. But I got a running back that I really like. His name is Cam Akers. My dad is with me on this one. This guy is all around good. He's a freak, and if he's available in round two, I potentially would go Cam Akers because he's a playmaker that is so good, and I think that he should be valued way higher than he is right now. He's currently listed as like the fourth or fifth best running back by a lot of boards. This guy's my favorite running back. I would want Cam Akers. Aside from him, when you're looking at those like rounds three to five, not all these guys will be available there, but a couple of them probably will, and they're guys to just kind of keep on the radar. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's very similar to Darren Sproles and Tariq Cohen. I mentioned a guy like that that I would like. He's only got 540 college touches, but he had 55 receptions alone last year. 
This guy's shifty, small, played for LSU. He got some stuff done. I think he's ready to play in the NFL and be that number two running back and play just like Tariq Cohen does. You know, do like David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen mix. We do Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I would like that a lot. Um, some all-around running backs that maybe don't mesh as well with Le'Veon Bell but could be good if he ever leaves or just like if you wanted to have two running backs that are similar balanced guys, you could go with like a DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, or Jonathan Taylor. I also like this guy, Zach Moss, who's kind of all around good. He's one of my favorite running backs in this draft class. He only had 780 touches in college. And uh, 5'10", 222 pounds, Zach Moss is a good player. If you're looking for like a speedy guy, McFarland is actually a pretty good running back that can get outside and, and make some big things happen. If you're looking for a short yardage pickup guy, A.J. Dillon, he's a good player that can pick it up. I'm not as big on A.J. Dillon because I, I personally would rather have a shifty, faster, big play type of running back than add on a big bruiser. But if they felt like they wanted to go bruiser, I'd understand, and A.J. Dillon will be a good one. So those guys, I see those, you know, round three to five. That's where I see them. There are some later round running backs. I'm not as big into the really late round Trenton Cannon, Eli McGuire. I think that you get a lot of those Alvin Kamaras and sleeper good off uh, running backs. Rounds three, four, and five. That's kind of where those guys nestle in. So I'd be happy going there. And that's basically all the positions that I have for positions of need in this draft. And those are the guys that I have listed. And the Jets won't draft, maybe they won't draft any of them. I'm sure of the names that I mentioned, they'll draft a couple. And honestly, if they draft any of those six positions that I have of positions of need, with those picks, if they fill them out, I'm going to be very happy with the pick. If they mention a cornerback tackle, wide receiver, edge, interior offensive lineman, a running back, any point in this draft, I'm going to say, bang, perfect. That was a position of need. I'm glad we did it. On top of that, if they mention any name that I've mentioned in this podcast, I'm going to be all for it because I got them on my list. I've ranked these guys, and I'm only mentioning them because I like them. That would be awesome. And then from there, it's just, you know, is he going to do those Mike McCagnan type drafts and just throw in a tight end out of nowhere and be like, well, guess what? We just took another middle linebacker. Ba-boom. And you're just like, whoa, what? Why? No. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't peg Joe Douglas for that kind of guy, but it's possible. I do want to say I have one more guy on my list. Totally unrelated position. Kicker. I love this kicker from Georgia, Rodrigo Blankenship. Not just because he wears gag- goggles and looks absolutely hilarious when he plays. And he wore number 98 in college. So it was like, what the heck? But this guy never missed an extra point in 200 attempts at Georgia. And they have small, short little kicks in college, sure. But almost every other kicker that you find made a mistake at some point in 200 kicks. And in 200, he never had one. And there were some bad snaps that he found a way to get them in. There were some crazy broken down plays. He found a way to get them in. This guy was like 80% at Georgia. He played in some really big games, some national TV games, you know, playoff games. And the guy kicked well. And I think that he's worth at least bringing into camp. If you have to draft him with the last sixth-round pick, I'd be happy. If you can get him as an undrafted free agent, that would be amazing. But it would be very difficult because I think he's the best kicker in this entire draft. And anybody who's looking for a kicker would love to bring him into camp. And then from there, there's another kicker that I like that if we can bring him into camp and can't get Blankenship, I'd be happy with Tyler Bass. He's a pretty good kicker, and he's a good number two option after Blankenship. But neither one of them is guaranteed to be an NFL kicker and be great. They just definitely pose the most upside of guys you've seen in college. So it's kind of a list of the guys that I like, the positions that I need. That's kind of a little bit of everything, what I got going on in this. I mean, what other notes did I have for this? Sort of a mock draft. I want to do a sort of a mock draft. Okay. All right, let's see. So we're going to do a sort of a mock draft here. Let me have a little whiskey first. Hold on. This is going to be crazy because it's, you know, I've done 
a million mock drafts. And I highly recommend, if you've not done it, if you've seen on Twitter or anywhere, like people post these fake mock drafts and they always have the same format, the website is thedraftnetwork.com. If you go to thedraftnetwork.com, you can do a free mock draft and it's got like their list of players projected kind of what they think teams will take. It's a pretty smart and adaptive system. And you can pick only the Jets' picks, and you can do an entire mock draft through six rounds, all the Jets' eight picks, in like four minutes. It's a really fun exercise just to kind of see, you know, the draft's not really going to shake out this way, but they change it every time so you can see a bunch of different scenarios. And it gets you thinking like, ooh, who would I want to go for in this position? And who am I upset that I didn't get because I should have gone for this guy in this round? It just gets your mind working. So I highly recommend checking that out. But we've looked at a million mock drafts. A lot of us have done a million mock drafts. They're very, uh, I don't know, they're very empty feeling because you do it and you're like, ah, that doesn't matter because we're not going to get any of these guys. And you look at, you know, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper's new mock draft and you're like, wow, this time the Jets took C.J. Henderson, the cornerback, but it doesn't matter because we're not going to draft C.J. Henderson. And when the whole thing comes down, who cares that nine guys that we talked about drafting, the only thing that matters is the one guy that's on our team. We don't care about guys last year like Clellan Farrell and Josh Allen anymore. What we care about is Quinnen Williams, and what's he going to do? So, it's not super important, but round one, let's just do like a mock draft of what I think the Jets could do. Round one, offensive tackle, ideally. Wills, Thomas, Wirfs, ideally. If not, you go with an Akuda, Becton, uh, C.D. Lamb, or Jerry Judy wide receiver. Round two is where I really like a wide receiver pick. A guy like Denzel Mims or T. Higgins would be awesome. If you have to go with a interior offensive lineman, Lloyd Cushenberry, maybe a Cesar Ruiz. You could potentially go Cam Akers if you want another, you know, threatening guy. There's a couple other wide receivers that could be good in there. And cornerback, yeah, if Trevon Diggs, Christian Fulton, or my guy Jalen Johnson are available, you definitely have to look at them. When you get to round three, this is where I think wide receivers kind of pop depending on who's left. If you can grab like a Chase Claypool, Brian Edwards, or Michael Pittman in the third round, that's going to set you up really nice for the rest of this draft. Also, if Jalen Johnson, Bryce Hall, or one of these cornerbacks is available in the third round, you may look there. There's a few interior offensive linemen that you may be looking at, like a Matt Hennessy or an Isaiah Wilson. You could say, all right, maybe it makes sense to draft one of those guys now, or an edge guy. Any one of those edge guys, potentially, whoever they fall in love with could be good. When you get to the fourth round, I really like this for a running back if you can. I would be looking at a guy like Zach Moss if he's available there. It might be a little late for him. Maybe you can get an Anthony McFarland. Could be a good pickup for the Jets. There's still wide receivers. In every round, there's another wide receiver you can grab. Some of those lower-end interior offensive linemen that I mentioned, Tyler Biadash could be there. Matt Hennessy, perhaps. Bring one of those guys in. Bryce Hall's a cornerback that if he's available in the fourth round, like, I gotta take him. He's my guy for sure. Um, edge guys again. Aquara, perhaps. Anthony Jennings. Curtis Weaver. I'd be happy with those guys. When you get to that fifth round, I kind of like to see maybe one of those back-end wide receivers if we haven't gotten one, or maybe another offensive lineman just to fill that thing out. Kind of a, you can kind of pick in the fifth round. There's a bunch of different options we can go. Sixth round, I don't mind going that kicker pick. I think cornerback Reggie Robinson could be potentially pretty good from Tulsa. I think there's, you know, maybe a couple wide receivers that are still going to be on the board that if you're looking for one, you could grab one there. And, you know, at the end of the day, this whole thing, it's going to fly by, and then we're going to be back to having no sports, and hopefully the year even starts on time, because there's no saying that, like, we draft all these players, we're super excited, we rate them, we grade them, we talk about them, we say, all right, we got our unit, but then do we play? 
and that's the next big thing. But let's enjoy it. Let's just enjoy the draft for now. We have one weekend of what feels like normal sports weekend. And I'm not watching other sports during draft. I mean, there's going to be NBA playoffs on and stuff like that, but I'm watching the NFL draft every year. That's what I'm doing. And it's still here this year. It's going to be weird, but it might be better. It might honestly be a better product of football-related stuff for you, like NFL heads, like myself. It might be better. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do it. I'm going to give all networks a chance. ESPN, ABC, NFL Network, whoever puts on the best presentation, best performance, I'm going to watch them. There's not one I'm tied to going in. Open mind, wow me. We'll go from there. I'm definitely going to do a recap episode. I got to talk recap of this draft. Got to talk recap of free agency and just see where all these holes. We went in from the free agency primer. We had a really nice list of what the open holes were on this team and where our needs were. And then after free agency, you know, as it's an ever-evolving continuous program going on, you got that for the most part completed. And then you've got the draft completed you're going to really have a feel for all right what do we still have holes in and where are areas of strength and weakness on this team now as always you always assume a draft pick is going to be good you always look at a guy and you're like Jukai Polite finally we have an edge rusher but little do you know the guy's never going to touch the field in an NFL game because he's absolute dog shit so that whole thought of well we filled a hole doesn't actually exist you just kind of play tricks on yourself but that's okay this whole podcast and being a Jets fan is playing tricks on yourself because obviously we're never going to win anything I'm just kidding. We will. The Jets are going to win in 2023. I've already pegged it, so that's kind of a guarantee. But um, this is the year that we take another step in the right direction. Joe Douglas's first draft. Super interesting. I am going to be all over Twitter during this draft for the entire weekend. I'm going to be leading up to it as well. I'm going to be, if they draft guys that I want, I'm going to be super excited. Um, My dad has a similar list, just like mine, with his positions, who he likes at each group. And my dad always, what he does is he puts together his list, right? And then when the Jets are on the clock, he looks at the players that are available and he says, this is who I would draft. And he circles the name. And if the guy doesn't draft him, he leaves it and keeps this in a notebook somewhere and remembers forever the guys that should have been drafted in these positions. And then like years later, he tells me, you know, the Jets really should have drafted Tankersley, the cornerback. He went to the Dolphins and he was available when the Jets could have taken him. And you're like, what is going on? Why are you still remembering that? And he's going to do this like hitman list. If this is who we should have taken, and six years down the road, he'll be like, Joe Douglas should have had Denzel Mims in the second round, and they didn't. And it's kind of crazy, but I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to make my list of, like, this is who it should be. This is who we took. It better work out. Joe Douglas better know better than me. Because we've done it. We've all talked about, like, what our mock drafts are versus what Mike McCagnan's were. And almost all of us could have actually done a better job than Mike McCagnan. If he had just played, like, the big board, he could have honestly drafted Mel Kuyper's board, like, best available, and his drafts would have been much better than what they actually were, which is really pathetic. So we need to have a good draft. I trust in Joe Douglas, but I'll be on there on Twitter posting, like, this is who we should be taking right now. Boom. And if he takes a guy that I want, one of the guys from my list, I'm going to lose it and be super excited and uh, probably just buy a bunch of jerseys, custom ones fill the name in myself, pick a number for him, be a huge fan forever, and uh, and bring it into the podcast and share my love for it. That's what this whole thing's all about, and I appreciate everybody joining me on this one. Sorry about the long rants now and throughout the entire thing. We're in quarantine mode, so everybody's kind of a lesser version of themselves, so I'd kind of like to be given a, a little bit of a pass. I'm also drinking whiskey, which is like a beer is good. You sip on a beer. But I'm just like, every time I drink this, it's like taking a shot. So it's all good. We're feeling good. 
We're feeling good. We're excited for the draft. It's going to be dynamite. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. As always, rate, review, subscribe on gangreennation.com. Anywhere podcasts are found, follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. I appreciate the love support, everyone. I appreciate uh, all the engagements that I've had, talking a lot of draft stuff with people. Thank you for sharing your opinions. I know I'm crazy sometimes. I know I'm wrong a lot of the time. But you know what? It's all just for the love of the game and the love of the New York Jets. So thanks for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 